Welcome. In Parshas Vayishlach, we read of a very unfortunate event. Dina, the daughter, Yaakov's daughter, she goes out, the Reis Bivnesa'oris, she goes out to see the daughters of the land. She apparently wanted to see what the girls in, Shre, in uh, the Hittite girls were, were wearing that, that season. And Shechem ben Chamor, the son of the local king, he sees her and he rapes her. He then, and he decides he loves her, and he does what perhaps would be considered the, the honorable thing, he offers to marry her. Um, as we will soon see, it's quite explicit in Sukkim, uh, it might be the honorable thing to offer to marry her, but in the meantime, he's holding her captive. He goes to the sons of Yaakov and he makes his proposal. And now we begin to read the Psukim. And the Bnei Yaakov answered Shem and his father Hamor, who came along for the negotiations, with trickery, or perhaps we can translate with wisdom. They answered in a very wise um, wise slash devious way. Vayidaberu. And they spoke as follows. Vayidaberu asher timei esdina achosam. And the Pasuk testifies that they spoke this way because Shem had uh, defiled Dina, their daughter, their, 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 their sister. And they said to them, meaning the Bnei Yaakov said to Shem and his father, Hamor, We cannot do this thing. To give our sister to a man who has an orla, meaning who is uncircumcised. That is an insult, that is an abomination to us, to allow our sister to marry an uncircumcised man. But, however, in this, we will agree to that, agree to you. If you will do the following, we can make a deal. If you, meaning your nation, will be like us, to circumcise every male of your nation. If you will, if you will um, all circumcise yourselves, so then, we will agree to this deal. Uh, by the way, these uh, some of these numbers of the names of the psukim are incorrect. Okay, that was Tes Vav, now Tes Zion. And the, the brothers continue to speak. We will give our daughters to you, meaning we will allow our daughters to marry your people. And your daughters, we will take for ourselves, we will marry your daughters. The Ashavnu Itchem, and we will dwell with you. And we will be one nation. So listen, Mr. Shrem, Prince Shrem, if you want to marry our sister, you and your whole nation are going to have to circumcise themselves, and then we can intermarry and we can be one nation. But if you do not listen to us, to be circumcised. If you refuse this option, then we will take our our daughter, 
not really their daughter, it's their sister. That's very interesting. I'm not going to explain that. We will take our daughter, our perhaps it means our 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 girl, and we will go. There are many questions that one can raise about this story, how they are allowed to be devious like this, because what really happened is that all of the, the Hittites agreed, Shechem and Hamor agreed, and they went to their people and they explained, and the people all agreed to circumcise themselves. And then on the third day after the Brismila, when they were in pain, the Bnei Yaakov took their swords and slaughtered them all. That's certainly a good question. How were they allowed to deceive them like that? And what gave them, what justified them in killing them? Those are all very legitimate questions, which I'm not going to address now. I'd like to see a couple of Rashi comments here on what is admittedly perhaps less important. I don't want to say less important, but less central points. Here's another mistake. Okay. Rashi says on the word Vinasano, here in Pasuk Tes Zion, the brothers said to Shrem and Hamar, Vinasano Esbenaiseno Lachem. We will give our daughters to you. Rashi says, Nun Shnia Mudgeshes. The second Nun in the word Vinasano is Mudgeshes. It has a Dagesh, it has a dot in it. Let's make that a little easier to see. So we have vav, nun, a regular nun with no dot in it, a sav, a nun with a dot, and then the, the, the vav with the dot inside that. So Rashi comments, nun shniya mudgeshes, the second nun in this word is emphasized. It should really be pronounced vinosannu, lefishehi mishameshes bin nunin, because it is serving in the place of two nunin. It should really be because the word for giving is always nun tov nun nosan. Here it means vinosan nanu. We give. Only the vav hamahapech, the vav at the beginning, turns it into we will give. So it really should have said vinosan nanu with two nuns, but that the Russian Kaidish Hebrew language doesn't like to do that. So instead, by putting the dugish in the nun, that reinforces that sound as if it were almost two letters of nun. And really, if you if you pronounce it really correctly, it almost is like two nuns. It's vanasan nu. There's no uh, in between. There's no shwa sound in between, but it's vanasan nu. It's one nun going back to the first part of the word and another nun going forward to the last part of the word. Just like you would say, Amar nu, meaning we said, uh, Ganav nu, we stole, etc., etc. So this is Venasan nu. We gave, only the Vav turns it into we will give. Okay, a little fairly simple dikduk. Now Rashi continues. So it says, we will, we will give to you our daughters, the Espenay Sechem, Nikach Lono. And your daughters, the Hittite girls, we will take for ourselves. We'll marry them. Says Rashi, say you find in the condition that Hamor expressed to Yaakov. 
Uvachuvas Benayakov the Chamor, and in the answer that the Benayakov gave to Chamor, Shetalu Hachashivus Bivnayakov, that they literally hung the importance on Benayakov. They placed the importance, they placed Benayakov into the driver's seat. Likach Benay Shem Eshiyivchurulahem. They gave to Benayakov the prerogative, they gave to them the power to take the daughters of Shem. Those that they choose. It says, Your daughters we will take, meaning which the ones that we want. We're not going to only, we're not going to be limited to the daughters that you want to give over. We're going to take as wives whichever of your daughters that we want. I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to marry them against their will, but they could marry them against their fathers and nations' will. So the Bnei Yaakov will be in the driver's seat as far as that's concerned. And their daughters, meaning the daughters of Bnei Yaakov, they will give to them, the Hittites, according to their opinion, meaning the Bnei Yaakov will be in the driver's seat regarding that also. They will allow their daughters to intermarry with Hittites according to what they, the Bnei Yaakov, want. Those daughters that they are willing to allow that for. Dixiv, as it is written, Benasanu es Benasenu. We will give our daughters. What does it mean? We will give our daughters the fida atenu, according to our opinion, according to our decision. Yes, and your daughters we will take for us. Rashi's really saying what I just said, or rather, I just said what Rashi is saying now. What is it? And what does it mean? Your daughters we will take for us, according to everything that we desire. So we find this here in this Pasuk which is really the Bnei Yaakov's um, reply to a deal that was presented by uh, Shechem and Hamor. We'll look at that Pasuk soon. But we see here that the Bnei Yaakov are putting themselves in the driver's seat. However, when later Hamor and Shechem, his son, spoke to the dwellers of their city, when they spoke to their people, they went back after this Pasuk, later in the Parsha, the, uh, Shechem and Hamor go back to their nation, and they present to them the, the situation. They say, if you'll circumcise yourselves, then we'll be allowed to intermarry with this people. When they did that, Hofchu Hadvorim, they turned the things around. They turned it around. And they said, Esbenoisam nikach lono lenoshim. Their daughters, the daughters of the Bnei Yaakov, we will take to ourselves as, as wives, meaning whichever ones we happen to like, the Esbenoi Seinu, Nitain Lahem, and our daughters, we will give to them. Again, we'll give to them, which whichever daughters we decide we would like to give to them. But we will be in the driver's seat. Why did they turn it around? In order to appease them, in order to make the people want this deal. In order that they should agree to circumcise themselves. The people are certainly paying a price to enter into this deal. So Hamor and Shechem want to sweeten the deal. They want to make them think that that uh, when it comes to intermarrying with these people, you, the Hittites, you're going to be in the driver's seat. You will take whichever of their daughters you please, and you will give to them those daughters of your own that you please, that it pleases you to give. Okay. Let's analyze this a little bit. In fact, there are three psukim 
that that talk about this deal that was being negotiated. We have a Pusik that we did not see yet, Herak Lamed Dalet, Pusik Tess, in which we have Chamor and Shem speaking to Bnei Yaakov. This is the original proposal. Uh, Shem has done what he's done, and he says he's going to marry, he would like to marry Dina, and so he and his father go, and they present the following proposition to the, the children of Yaakov. They say, V'hishchatanu, V'hishchatnu itanu, you will marry, you will intermarry with us. V'noiseichem titnu lono, your daughters, you will give to us, meaning you will have the choice of which of your daughters to give to us. V'yesbenoiseinu tikchu lachem. And our daughters, you can take for yourselves, meaning whichever ones you like, you can take. So here we have Chamor and Shrem speaking to Bnei Yaakov, and they offer a, 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 a pretty generous deal. We'll intermarry, but you'll be in the driver's seat. Now, Yaakov and uh, Bnei Yaakov answer to Chamor and Shrem. They answer this proposal, and they say, well, uh, you know, we can't do this unless you circumcise. But if you all circumcise, then we can do it. And they repeat they repeat just as uh, they repeat the, the the proposal just as Chamor and Shem presented it. They say, we will give our daughters to you, meaning we will give of our daughters those whom we decide to give to you. It will be our choice. And your daughters we will take for ourselves, meaning the ones that we want to take, we'll take, and you will not have the you will not have the power to to stop us. You can't say, you know, well, you can marry some of our daughters, but not not the not the pretty ones, not the rich ones. I mean, come on. No, we will be allowed to marry whichever, whichever of your daughters we choose to take. So these two psukim, Lamida, uh, Tess and Tezayan, the 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 tnai, the proposal is presented in the same exact way that Bnei Yaakov will be in the driver's seat. Let's make that one color. Now, the third Pasuk, which talks about this proposal, which we also did not see here, is when Hamar and Shem go back to their nation and explain to them the deal. And they say, look, all you got to do is circumcise yourselves, and then we can intermarry with this people and become one nation. And they said, Their daughters, we will take for us, they, we will take for us as wives. We will take those of their daughters that we choose. And our daughters, we will give to them, meaning we will give them those of our daughters that we choose. If there's one who's really exceptionally beautiful and rich and talented, and no, we're not giving it to those people. We're going to refuse that. So they turn it around and they make the deal seem more to their advantage. Perfectly understandable. I would like to raise a technical question, and that is, which of these three psukim are we, as Rashi, discussing here? Which one is he explaining at the moment? He's explaining the middle Pusik, Lamed Dalet, Tes, Zion. That's the Pusik where we are here. And what is Rashi's question? His question seems to be, why is Pusik Tes Zion and Pusik Tes, which we already read, why are they different from Pusik Chafalov? 
In other words, Rashi is breaking one of his fundamental principles. Rashi usually does not ask a question on a Pusik based on a later Pusik. He waits. He, it's, it, it makes sense. It's logical. He should wait till the later Pusik. We had Pusik tests. The deal was expressed to be in the favor of Bnei Yaakov. When Hamor and Shrem presented the deal, they presented it in such a way that it puts Bnei Yaakov in the driver's seat. Bnei Yaakov tell them, we'll, we'll do it as long as you circumcise. And they repeat the deal. And, and they again, they put themselves in the driver's seat. No questions. That was the deal that was proposed. This is the deal that they are agreeing to with one very important clause added in that the, the, chiti, the chitim have to circumcise themselves. Rashi should have said nothing at this point. Oh, there's a Pasik, Pasik Chafalif, there's a Pasik that we didn't look at yet, where the proposal is turned upside down and the and the, the, the Hittites are put in the driver's seat. Rashi could have waited, apparently should have waited, till we got over there. And he should have said, wait a minute, why is this Pasik different? And he could have given his very good answer and say, well, the difference is because now this is Chamor and Shem talking to their own people, and they want to make the deal seem better for them. Why is Rashi asking on Pusik Tezayin a question which is, all, which, is only, which is only a question because he looked ahead to Pusik Chafal? That is not typical of Rashi. That is uncharacteristic. That's one question I'd like to ask on this, this Rashi. A second question, more of a content-level question, is why did B'nai Yaakov do this? Why were they insisting on, on putting themselves in the driver's seat? Is this merely that they were selfish and tough bargainers, or is there something more here? Let's begin with the technical question. I would like to propose, in my humble opinion, that the reason Rashi got involved in this issue here is not because he was looking ahead to Pasuk Chafalot. It's not because he was looking ahead to the later Pasuk, which seems to contradict this Pasuk and also Pasuk test. That's not his main motivation. His main motivation is he wanted to support his first comment. In his first comment, he took a look, he took a, he took a look at the word Vinosano, and he saw that that's an unusual kind of a word. And he told us that it is really the past tense of vinosan plus the, the, uh, the suffix new, which means we did something. So vinosan new. We gave, only the vav at the beginning turns it around into, into we will give. Why did Rashi give us this grammar lesson over here? As I've explained many times, although Rashi was a great grammarian, he does not involve himself in grammar for its own sake. I mean, there are hundreds and thousands of, of, of words in the Torah that he could have expounded upon. He could have expounded upon their grammar, and he doesn't. Why does he sometimes get involved in grammar? And the answer is because to Rashi, the purpose of diktok, anyway, to Rashi in his commentary on the Torah, what Rashi did in his spare time, I don't know. Maybe he sat and studied diktok all day. Somehow I doubt it, but I can't, I can't testify to that. But to Rashi in, in his commentary on the in, on the Torah, the purpose of diktok is not a separate study. The purpose of diktok is to help us understand the simple meaning of the words in the pasuk. 
if you don't know the grammar, you don't know. Does it mean he gave, we gave, they gave, they will give, we did give them? You, you don't know what the words mean if you don't know dictum. And so in certain places where Rashi felt it's very important, he explained to us the diktuk in order to explain to us what the words mean. I would like to propose that why does Rashi get involved in this word vinosanu? Because he thought that maybe it's a Lushan nifal, a passive tense verb. We know there's such a thing called Lushan nifal. If you want to say, uh, I'll use a modern example. I'm not going to look for an example right now in the Chumash. But you can say, ani zorek et akador, I throw the ball. So that's called the active, the active tense, the active voice of the verb. I throw the ball. But you can also say, hakador nizrak, the ball was thrown. That's called a passive, a passive voice. And in Hebrew, and in Hebrew, it is expressed with what's called the nifal. You take the shorish of the verb, you take the three main letters in the verb. In this case, Zion. Resh, kof, you put a nun in front of it, and instead of I throw, it becomes it was thrown. So Rashi thought that maybe that may, maybe vinasanu es vinasenu lachem means our daughters will be given to you. But Rashi clarified, no, that's not what it means. Vinasanu, we will give our daughters to you. This is an active tense. We active voice. We, B'nai Yaakov, will give our daughters to you. That's what the Pasuk means. Now, so he, he established that point in Diktuk. I think that he now, in his next comment, wants to reinforce that point. How does he reinforce it? He brings in a discussion that he otherwise would not have taken up at this point, but he brings it in here. And he shows us that when... Chamor and Shem are speaking to Yaakov, they, they, speaking to the B'nai Yaakov, they put the B'nai Yaakov into the driver's seat. And when Yaakov, when, when B'nai Yaakov speak to Shem and Chamor, they also, they put themselves in the driver's seat. Later, it's turned around for selfish purposes by Chamor and Shem, because they want to convince their people, so they tweak the deal a little bit. It's not really the deal that was made, but they tweak it a little bit to give a little extra advantage to the people, to the Hittite people. This proves or this supports Rashi's interpretation of the word Venasano. We will give our daughters to them, not our daughters will be given. If it would say our daughters will be given to you, that means we don't really have a choice. Any Hittite who wants to marry a, a Jewish girl, as long as the girl and the father agree, the nation as a whole has no right to refuse. Tough luck. We're one people. You can you can marry whom you want. That would be if it was Vinasano was a nifal, if it was a passive voice. But Rashi now is showing, he is supporting his point. It's an active voice. It means we will give our daughters to you. Meaning when we decide that we would like to give one of our daughters to you, we'll allow that to happen. We'll let her get married to one of you guys. If we don't want that, if maybe she's an exceptional girl in some way, and we don't want her, we want her for ourselves, we want one of us to marry her, then as a nation, we have the right to refuse. It's active. We will give when we decide that it is fitting and to our advantage to give. 
So it could be that's why Rashi gets involved in this matter, which really could have waited for a comment on Pesach Chafalev. What about the second question? Why is the Torah telling us this? Why, why is the Torah very specific, very exact, and it tells us how the Bnei Yaakov put themselves in the driver's seat, and they said, we will give our daughters to you as we choose, and we will take from your daughters as we choose. I think there are several possible answers. One answer is, maybe, maybe the Torah is telling us that they were very tough-minded, tough people who could negotiate a good deal. That's that's not a bad, that's not a bad neither. That's a good neither. You're in a negotiation, and there's there's what to be lost and what to be gained. You, a smart person, will negotiate hard. That that's that is a milo. That's that's not a bad thing. That could be one answer. Another answer I found in the Orachayim, the famous commentary Orachayim, who says approximately as follows. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not reading the words. He says, a person who's a swindler, a person who's a, a snake oil salesman, a used car salesman, when he sells you something, when he gives you his sales pitch, he will not admit of any fault of any minus in the deal. Imagine you're going to buy a used car. The used car salesman is going to make it sound like the most beautiful car that ever was. It's brand. It's like brand new. You see these seat covers, brand new. You see this over here, that was uh, that was refurbished uh, two years ago. It's almost, it's like new. You see this, uh, you see over here, this, uh, this handle over here, that's metal, not like the new cars, the cheap cars that make everything out of flat. He will not admit to any fault in the car. The Bnei Yaakov did not want anyone to figure out that they are that they are being devious over here. They are being devious. They're really tricking. The, the, the Hittite people to circumcise themselves and then be vulnerable to attack. Obviously, they don't want them to catch on. So they purposely did they purposely did not talk like a used car salesman. And they said, we're going to take advantage of you over here a little bit. We are going to decide which one of our daughters is going to marry you because some of our daughters we don't want marrying you. Some of our daughters are too good for you. And we will take whichever of your daughters you want. We don't, we're not giving you the right sometimes to say, this girl is too beautiful, too rich, too smart, whatever. And we don't want to get, no, we will have the right. Now, this is not making it a 100% good deal for the, for the Hittites, which is exactly what Bnei Yaakov wanted to convey. If they would make it sound as if it's 100% a good deal for the Hittites, that's suspicious. The old saying is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is not true. But when you bargain like this, when you put into the bargain, when you put into the negotiations a certain minus for the other party, that sounds like normal negotiations. That sounds like negotiations in good faith, where, yes, I want certain things for myself, and I'm not giving you everything. So the Orachayim says this was the Chachma of the Bnei Yaakov, that they figured out Dafka not to sound like a used car salesman. I was thinking of a third possibility. 
And I think it's like this. Although their ultimate intent was that the, the Hittites would circumcise themselves and then they would attack them and kill them all and they would take Dina out of captivity and that would be the end of the story. But I think they phrased the deal in such a way, in a realistic way, so that if it would take effect, it would not be harmful to them. Meaning as follows. If for some reason the deal would actually take effect, for example, let's say they would not be able to kill them all. Let's say they wouldn't be able to kill any of them. Let's just say something would happen. They, they wouldn't even be able to launch the attack. So the, the, the Hittites made a deal. They circumcised themselves. We're going to have to let them intermarry with us. The Bnei Yaakov did not want to dilute the monotheistic character of their nation, of their growing nation. It was, of course, in a very, uh, a very new, uh, almost unborn state, but they didn't want to dilute their, their ideas, their ideals of monotheism and, and, and justice and fairness and, and proper behavior. And therefore they said, if this deal goes through, we're not going to let our daughters marry just any one of you. If we see that one of you Hittites is a sincere convert and is truly monotheistic and is truly committed to ethical behavior, we will allow one of our daughters to marry that person. And if we see one of your daughters has truly converted to our beliefs, is truly a monotheist, is truly um, dedicated to, to proper behavior in all various fields of behavior, then, um, then we will take such a girl as a wife for one of our children. But we are going to be in the driver's seat because the character of our nation is not going to be diluted by this deal. And we find, interestingly enough, that when they do eventually go and they do kill all the Hittites, Yaakov criticizes them. Yaakov is not happy. And because uh, Shimon and Levi were the, were the main combatants, maybe the, I don't know if they were the main or the only, that's a, that's a good point to ponder. But certainly Shimon and Levi were the, the main brothers who, who did all the killing. Yaakov, uh, later on before he dies, he doesn't really bless them. He was upset with them. So he criticized the killing. He never criticizes the deal itself. He doesn't say, why'd you tell those people they can intermarry with us if they circumcise? That you don't find. And perhaps the reason is because that didn't bother him, that he understood that uh, these people will be circumcised, that's important, and we will have the, we will be in the driver's seat to decide which one of their daughters will be allowed to marry one of us and which one of, and uh, which one of our daughters will be allowed to marry one of them. And in this way, the essential characteristics of Bnei Yaakov will be preserved. Perhaps that's why um, they spoke like this, and perhaps that's why the Torah reports this to us in detail.